A rising US dollar, yields pushing higher, equities being sold off, central bankers talking up rates. It's business as usual lately, isn't it? But for how far and for how long, those numbers seem to be stretching out as well, don't they? At least the pound has calmed down a little today. No recovery, though, and gilt is still being sold off at quite a rate. And the Bank of England has said what's been happening there requires a significant monetary policy response. But not till November, which is a long way from today, which is, incidentally, Wednesday, the 28th of September, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So the US dollar is heading up again today. Well, of course it is. 114.1 on the DXY index, although it did dip a little overnight before it realised it was going the wrong way and resumed its upward march. Seems like there's no stopping it, doesn't it? That means another half percent fall in the Aussie dollar, down below 64.3 US cents. The euro is down 0.2%. The Japanese yen down 0.1%. The pound, well, it's climbed back a little. It's above $1.07, but that's not much of a climb back, really, given you know the journey it's been on and UK gilt yields still rising. 10 years up another 26 basis points, up to 4.5%. That's 190 basis points over the last month compared to an 11 basis point rise today in 10-year bond yields and just four on 10-year treasuries. Aussie 10 years were up uh, four yesterday to 4.02%, but another 11 basis points on top of that on futures since then. Shares are still heading lower, largely, in the US and Europe. They're going up in China, but in the US, well, a 0.4% drop in the Dow a quarter percent uh, fall for the S&P 500. The Nasdaq did turn green at the last moment in the hour of power in New York. It closed up a quarter percent. In Europe, the DAX is down 0.7%. The FTSE 100 off half percent at close. The VIX is still high. It's around 33. In the US, energy stocks doing particularly well, up about 1.7%, whereas real estate and consumer staples, understandably, are the big losers. So, uh, look, it's a bit calmer today. But no fundamental change in direction. The dollar is up, shares are down, bond yields are rising, particularly in the UK. Sky Masters is with me this morning from NAB in Sydney. So that that race is still on to sell off UK bonds, isn't it? Two-year gilts now at 4.6%, still rising. That's another eight basis points in a day. But not the mad panic that we were seeing on Friday and on on Monday, but also significantly no reversal. It's still a pretty sad story there. Morning, Phil. Look, um, yeah, no, I guess maybe a little bit calmer overnight, but but you know the the, the trend that we've seen over the last couple of sessions of of higher bond yields certainly has continued overnight. Um, and you know, if I look at Ten-year gilts, as you said, they're they're up another twenty-six basis points mm. overnight. Um, closed at four and a, a half percent. But you, if you look at market pricing for the BOE, the market's now I think pricing a peak of of their um, cash rate at six twenty-five in maybe May next year. So if you if you think the cash rate's going to get to at least six twenty-five, yeah. then a ten-year gilt at four fifty is still too low. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's, there's, you know, over the next six months or however long, um, you know, the, the pressure for higher gilt yields um, is, is still going to be there. And it sounds like there's not going to be an emergency meeting of the Bank of England, but what they are just going to do is talk it up, aren't they? So Hugh Pill uh, this morning, the chief economist at the Bank of England, uh, said it's not hard to draw the conclusion that all of this, all that's been going on, is we're going to require a significant monetary policy response. Uh, and uh, look, we've got John Cunliffe uh, also from the Bank of England talking later today. So presumably he's going to continue with that message. So they, we're going to wait till November, uh, but they're just telling us, hey, in November, it's going to be a big number, basically, aren't they? Yes. So Pill sort of gave similar comments to what um, Bailey said yesterday in that, 
you know, it, it will require a significant response, but they're going to wait um, for their meeting in early in early November. And I guess the whole point is, is you know, previously their their forecasts, um, you know, when they updated their forecasts a week or so ago, you know, there's there was the concern around um, how does the UK economy respond to to the higher the higher um, cash rates. But now, given the um, you know mini budget from the from the gov- from the UK government, um, you know maybe that pressure is alleviated, and that that allows um, the BOE to maybe respond harder in terms of a tighter a tighter yeah. monetary policy. Yeah, well, it uh, yeah because it wasn't that long ago. Like John Cunliffe, for example, just a few months ago was saying, well, sustained hikes might not be needed because inflation expectations weren't really fixed in public thinking. Well, I think they are now. Ironically, perhaps, because everyone's looking at uh, what the interest rates are and thinking, oh, that must be because of inflation, sort of like it's it's uh, tilted the other way in some ways. But it's also spilling over to the United States. Isn't it? How much of what we're seeing in the rise in yields in the US now is the result of this uncertainty in in the UK? Is 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 that what's is it is the contagion happening here? Oh, look, I think there's certainly contagion um, that you're seeing right across global bond markets as you see this sort of um, massive sell-off in um, in in gilts over the last couple of sessions. But I think there are also other factors driving um, you know US yields higher. We obviously had the Sort of more hawkish um, FOMC meeting. We've had some, you know, a, a whole lot of um, Fed members speaking this week, and they're all maintaining that that very hawkish stance. And one thing that I think is interesting coming out of um, Fed comments overnight is that you know they are pointing to obviously further further rate rises, which is what their dot plots um, highlighted. But they're also noting that they think they need to keep rates higher for an extended period of time. Um, whereas we know that the market is the market is pricing in a higher Fed funds rate into early next year, but then it's pretty much swiftly pricing in in rate cuts um, at the end of next year. And I think that's what the Fed mm. members are now pushing back on and saying, well, actually, no, we might need to keep rates higher for an extended period of time. And the data that came out in the US overnight um, sort of supports that view in a way that, you know, the data is actually reflecting a, a quite resilient US economy. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's amazing how much resilience there is, isn't there? Just before we look at that data, I was amused by James Bullard from the St. Louis Fed uh, talking about, you know, they're, they're performing a high wire act at the Fed, he basically said. If you imagine a high wire between two high-rise buildings... I have a feeling he's making his job sound more exciting than it really is. Uh, but he, he said, you know, we are balancing <laughs> on this wire and there might be a sudden gust of wind. Uh, so uh, he writes all this material himself, apparently. But uh, the, he was he was there talking about, you know, the, the, this is where the risk of a recession could come from. But it's a risk of a global recession rather than the US one. It could be China and Europe that is uh, that is pulling everyone else down with them. Uh, but anyway, I guess they've got to say the same thing. They've got to find a different spin on it every time, haven't they? But let's look at uh, some of those numbers uh, so, uh, I mean, first of all, the uh, uh, the conference board consumer confidence uh, was up from uh, 103.6 in August up to 108 today, well above expectations. So 20.8% of consumers said business conditions were good, which is up from 19%. Uh, there's a small uh, drop in those who are saying it was, it was bad. So generally, uh, resilience is that word, isn't it? Again, for the United States. Yeah, definitely. So that, that conference board number was... Sort of supported by um, 
a rise in expectations for both both um, the current situation and and expectations. Um, so mm. you know, even even in the face of higher mortgage rates, higher you know higher inflation, consumers you know, sort of are holding up. I mean, obviously, confidence has fallen. Um, quite a lot consumer confidence, but I guess the interesting thing is, is that we're now starting to see that that turn um, or an improve a, a little bit. Um, you know mm. what? What also came out, which was interesting, was the one-year inflation expectations. They came down a little bit. Um, yeah. In 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 that survey, so they're at six point eight now, down from seven, um, but still a highly you know elevated elevated level. So you know, I think. Um, while these numbers might deem as being a good thing, they're actually sort of a bad thing in a way as well because it means, you know, consumer confidence is picking up, um, inflation expectations still stay uh, still very high um, and, you know, telling you that central banks' jobs aren't done yet. Yeah, well, I mean, the other part of that, which is the, also the good news is bad news, was the jobs plentiful number. So 49.4% of consumers said jobs were plentiful, which was up from 47.6. So still that tight labour market, if, if anything, getting tighter. So that's adding to that risk of, you know, what the Fed would see as wage inflation coming along. Yes, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, so it's no surprise that you're seeing, um, you're seeing bond yields heading, heading higher. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I think at some point in time we're going to have to get a little bit of consolidation um, from these big moves that we've seen in the last, in the last week. Um, you know, obviously you've had some stability in the pound overnight, um, but the bond market isn't quite yet ready to um, to consolidate. Well, there's a, an auction of five year five year notes this morning, wasn't there? Which was, uh, I mean, uh, the, uh, the the bid to cover ratio well down on on last time. So, I mean, the, the average of the previous ten auctions was two point four two. This time it's two point two seven. So. Uh, People aren't buying them. I'm not quite sure what they're doing. They're not buying them as much. They're not piling into in, into equities. I guess they're just hanging on to the US dollar. Yeah, I guess they're just piling into cash, <laughs> cash at the moment mm. until until things start to stabilise. And I guess one other thing I should mention that I was surprised about by Peel's comments overnight um, was just where he was talking about um, their planned bond sales. Um, now he he noted overnight that. Um, you know, the, the planned bond sales for next week should go ahead as planned if market pricing stays orderly, which he noted, as has been the case in recent days, which is somewhat surprising. I wouldn't have, wouldn't, wouldn't say that, um, market pricing over the last few days in the UK market has been orderly, but I think that probably weighed on mm. the market as well, because in, in the face of all this volatility, um, you know, the, the, the BOE, Conducting their QT, um, I think, is just just weighing on the market. So, f for my part, one one way that could sort of maybe help to alleviate or ease some of the concerns in in the UK gilt market would be if they delayed those bond sales. Yeah, but can they do that? Can they do that? Can they do that? And and can they say, well, okay, we're also going to reverse our position on on QT. I mean, that would be a reason for an emergency meeting, wouldn't it, to do that? But they're saying we're not going to do that. Hang on till November. Well, that is, I mean, that is true. So, you know, I guess, I mm. guess we have to wait. We have to wait till November. 
<laughs> this is a long way away. A lot of damage could be caused before then. Look, uh, house prices, I mean, they've, they've been pretty resilient, haven't they? I mean, 15.8% uh, growth now year on year in the United States, but that is down. Uh, we actually saw a fall in, in July, the first fall in house prices since January 2019. I mean, even through the pandemic, they were, they were still rising. So the interesting thing was the housing affordability index uh, in the U.S., uh, and this is going to be the, the the same the world over, isn't it? As rates rise, was at its lowest for decades in June. Then we saw in July house prices started to fall a little bit, so that pushed the affordability up just a little bit. So those two numbers are going to be uh, passing each other in each direction, I suspect, for a while. But it does mean the construction industry and the housing industry are starting to feel the hurt now. Yeah, and I mean, there's no surprise. I wouldn't have thought in 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 that no. in that at all. Yeah. Um, I guess what was surprising overnight, though, in the US was the massive jump in um, new home sales, which was up close to 30% um, in the month of August. So, um, you know, maybe that's going to be revised next month. And, 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 you know, I would note that it does offset some large declines that were seen in May and July. But, but, you know, another, another sort of upsize, upside surprise in, um, in US, US data. And which which has been a consistent yeah. theme over the last little while. So if I look at, um, you know, the U.S. Economic Surprise Index, that's that's been heading heading higher over the last sort of month or so, sort of reflecting that 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 um, outcome that U.S. data is consistently surprising to to the upside. Yeah, it's um, been one of the most comfortable downturns that people have ever had. I mean, people are still traveling as well. You know, it's sort of like people saying, well, if there is a recession, we still expect people are going to be getting on their uh, aircraft and going off on their holidays. So it's uh, it's that again, that resilience, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the most bizarre uh, economic downturn I think anyone's ever experienced in that it feels quite good. <laughs> well, yeah, we're all, you know, we're all, we're all pretty happy today, but we think there's going to be a recession next year. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I think markets might be focusing on, on the prospect of a recession, but I don't think um, consumers are. Just yet. Yeah, yeah. Wait till it hits. Well, uh, on the energy price story, uh, bad news in Europe in terms of uh, European gas. So Nord Stream 1, three leaks have been found off the coast of Sweden and Denmark in the in the Baltic. Bubbles, 100 metres in diameter, have been in, uh, seen in, on the surface. So it's not particularly well hidden. Denmark's prime minister has said you can't rule out sabotage. Uh, they've got a pretty good idea who might be sabotaging it as well, which uh, means that, you know, even if Europe wanted to, its gas supplies to resume in full, they can't. Uh, and we saw gas prices rising in Europe a little bit uh, as a result of that. So there's one story to watch today. Uh, also, retail sales for Australia. Uh, let's look at that. A very strong result in July at 1.3% month on month. So what will we be looking for for these numbers today? Is it Are, they, are we going to see more resilience in Australia? Look, yes. Um, obviously, we're not forecasting a, a, another large rise like that that we saw in July, but NAB is forecasting a rise of about 03 um, The market median is at 0.5. So, so yeah, still continued um, pitch of a relatively resilient um, consumer in Australia in the face of um, elevated prices. Uh, but yeah. I guess... It's probably a little still still seem to be a little bit too early for the rate rises that, that the RBA has delivered to really feed through into the consumer, um, and we're probably not really expecting to see that in the data until Q4. Yeah, we look at US and the UK. Well, the UK had a one point six percent drop, didn't they, last month? But I guess further further down the road in terms of 
rises. Uh, so today, quite a quiet day. Consumer confidence for Germany and France. We know that's not going to be good. Christine Lagarde is talking this afternoon uh, from the Fed. Mary Daly, Raphael Bostic, Charles Evans all talking. U.S. goods trades balance, uh, pending home sales and Hurricane Ian. How damaging is that going to be? Uh, Ian sounds like such a harmless name. doesn't? I don't think they've named him very well. It, it sounds like it was not going to cause any damage at all. But 300,000 people in Florida have been evacuated. Already 11% of oil production in the U.S. has been shut down ahead of it hitting Florida. As I was saying yesterday, uh, in normal times, that would that would be a major story for us to focus on. But um, anyway, we'll see what it does. But that's the way it is today. Good to talk, Sky. We'll catch you again very soon. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Phil. And that's Wednesday morning's morning call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Have a great day.